You're listening to the Victory Church Podcast. Here at Victory, we are called to equip a caring, committed community of worshipers to reach their world for Jesus. We hope you're encouraged by this week's message. up in the 1960s and I can remember all the catastrophic events that took place during my early childhood. I remember distinctly the assassination of President John F. Kennedy and the assassination of Robert F. Kennedy and the assassination of Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King. I remember the moon landing and all these catastrophic events that created such social upheaval it was hard to focus and concentrate, yet we did. And I'll be honest with you, it seems like during 2020, we are experiencing more social upheaval than we did in those 10 years in one year. And I'm sure many of you agree. And when you experience this kind of social upheaval, it creates for us a, 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 a personal crisis point. And that personal crisis point causes us to reach out to God. And when we reach out to God, many of us do a personal inventory or a soul search, as it were, to really discover if we're on good ground or do we have standing with God. It's only natural. And that's actually a good thing because It is in the understanding or the uh, personal soul search that we find wisdom because wisdom is produced in us as we combine the facts, the information that we receive and the divine application. So the right information and the divine application produces wisdom. Many times when we do our soul search, or our introspection, if we go without an escort, we end up in trouble. I had a friend of mine that always used to say, he never goes up here unescorted. I know you know what I mean. Sometimes we can get into uh, these awful thought patterns when we do introspection, but God wants us to discover who we are and whom we serve. It is so amazing to me when I look at the life of Isaiah and as a prophet and all the things that he experienced. But in the sixth chapter of the book of Isaiah, we read a special account of a theophany, a download, a a supernatural experience with God that cannot be replicated. In fact, it is the most vivid description or one of the most vivid descriptions in all of Scripture of the throne room of God. But it was more than just the throne room. It was the circumstances that allowed Isaiah to get there. He had a personal crisis point. The Bible says, in the year King Uzziah died. Now, I want to give you just a little background before we read our text. First, Isaiah was a prophet and had been called as a prophet and anointed as a prophet before this vision. Secondly, King Uzziah was a very popular king, had reigned for 52 years and had been prosperous and for the most part, the empire 
the, the, of Israel had uh, prospered under his rule. No wars, no major wars, etc. But 10 years before he died, he did something unspeakable. He went into the temple of God and began to try to offer sacrifices. As a result, God struck him with leprosy. So 10 years later, Uzziah died, but not in the throne room, not in the palace, but in the leper's colony. It was that time that Isaiah sought God. It was that time that Isaiah looked up and began through his own personal crisis to seek out God in a special way, in a unique way, in a way that hadn't happened for him before. Look with me at Isaiah chapter 6, verse, verses 1 through 6, 1 through 8, and we'll talk about this description. In the year King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord high and exalted on a throne, and the train of his robe filled the temple, and above him were seraphim. With each they had six wings, with two they covered their faces, with two they covered their feet, and with two they were flying. And they were calling to one another, holy, holy, holy is the Lord. The whole earth is full of his glory. At the sound of their voices, the doorposts and the thresholds shook and the temple was filled with smoke. Woe to me, I cried, I am ruined for I am a man of unclean lips and I live amongst the people of unclean lips. And my eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. Then one of the seraphim flew to me with a live coal in his hand, which he had taken with the tongs from the altar. And with it he touched my mouth and said, See, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away. Your sin is atoned for. Then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom will I send? Who will go for us? And I said, Here am I, send me. In this experience with God, in this theophany, in this uh, divine encounter that Isaiah references here, we see a pattern that God uses even with us. First, we see this disruption, this personal disruption that causes him to seek out God in a unique way. Obstacles are removed, and this personal disruption caused him to look up. And then with this personal disruption and now looking up, he has a divine encounter. And the divine encounter causes him to look in. He's in the presence, the holiness of God. It causes him to look in at his own sin. And when his sin issues are dealt with, when they're addressed, now he is empowered and commissioned to go out. Look up, look in, look out. That's the pattern that God uses in all of our lives to produce the fruit that he would have us to walk in in righteousness. 
to be the people that God wants us to be. Let's look at each of those parts individually. First, disruptions cause us to look up at God. It's important for us to understand that God will often use crisis and struggles as an opportunity to remove obstacles from us and to get us to that place that he wants us to be so that we can hear him in a personal way. God's call on Moses' life was in three parts. Moses lived to be 120 years old and the first 40 years of his life, Moses spent learning he was somebody. The second 40 years of his life, he spent learning that he was nobody. He spent it in isolation and in, in exile on the backside of the desert in Midian. Then the last 40 years of his life, the anointing, the calling, the mission of his life, he spent learning what God could do with somebody that learned that they were nobody. Jesus, when he was baptized, was immediately taken out into the desert to be tempted of the devil. You say, well, why was Jesus taken uh, uh, after his baptism? S to fulfill scripture. The Bible says that he was tempted in every way like us, but he did not sin. And Isaiah himself, Isaiah received this theophany, this vision, this, this encounter with God. Some theologians think he was 15 or 20 years into his ministry. But it wasn't until the king died, the removal of the king. You see, and in addition to Uzziah being a very special king, he was also a blood relative of, Uzziah, of uh, Isaiah's. And so the, the, there was some conflict or interference that was naturally there. But once that was removed, he looked up. What is it in your life that God wants to remove to get you to look up? What is it that God is doing or needs to do? Maybe it's your health. Maybe it's a circumstance. God doesn't bring these things upon us, but he uses them so that we can have these personal encounters because God does not want us to be dependent on anything of the earth. He wants us to know how, how much he loves us. He wants us to have this personal experience that we can't have until we look up. David said it this way, no king is saved by the size of his army. No warrior escapes by his great strength. A horse is a vain hope of deliverance. Despite all its great strength, it cannot save. But the eyes of the Lord are on those who fear him, on those whose hope is in his unfailing love to deliver them from death and to keep them alive in famine. God does not want anything between us and his glory. So disruptions cause us to look up. Secondly, when we look up, we have a divine encounter. Isaiah sees God in a different way. He is now in the presence of God. He sees the angels. He hears their song. He sees the glory of God. He's, he is taken aback by the, the, the presence, the transcendence of God as any human being would be. 
When we are in the presence of the almighty God, believe me, we all quake and, and, and sends chills down our spine. Why? Because we're in the presence of the holy God of creation. And Isaiah has this experience. And, and, and I love, the, the, you know, David said, what is man that you're mindful of him, the son of man that you care for him? He, he, you know, and throughout the scriptures, there are vivid descriptions of people's impression of God's holiness. But when you're in that situation, fear drives you to look in. Fear not of, 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 of retribution or of judgment, but just being in the presence of the Holy God. And I love the picture of the throne room that we see because God's throne room, in the throne room, we see the angels, we see the glory of God, we hear their voices, we hear the description of the thresholds shaking and the temple uh, quaking from the presence and the holiness of God, but there is something else that we often don't talk about. There is an altar of forgiveness. In the throne room of God, there is an altar and there were coals on the altar for the forgiveness so that God could mitigate the sin issue because sin can't dwell in the presence of God. And so God did something about it. He wouldn't allow it to just happen. It would be a cruel thing to say, come and be holy, come and be like me, come and be with me, come and enjoy the fellowship with me and not provide a way. And God did that. I love Psalm 103. It says, for as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his love for those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our sin from us. As a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him, for he knows how we are formed. He remembers that we are dust. The holiness of God is not the judgment seat. It's the place of forgiveness. And he has one of the angels go to Isaiah personally, and he has a personal cleansing, a personal encounter. It, it, it produces a personal cleansing. It wasn't just Isaiah thinking, I can do this, or I need to do that, or, or, or God, what can you do for me? This wasn't an outcry for help. This was a, a plea for mercy. The mercy seat of God is the place of forgiveness. The disruption caused him to look up. The holiness and the presence of God will cause us to look in and we must address the sin issue. You see, in, in 1 Corinthians, it says, no temptation has seized you except which is common, say common, common to man. And God who is faithful, oh, I love that. God who is faithful will not allow you to be tempted above what you can bear or beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, he will provide a way of escape so that you can stand underneath it. The God of holiness is the God of forgiveness. He will provide a way of escape. 
First John 1 John 1.9 says, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. When Isaiah has this encounter, this divine encounter, he sees and experiences the presence of God. He says, woe is me. I'm undone, God. I'm a man of unclean lips, and I dwell amongst the people of unclean lips, and my eyes have seen the Lord. Oh, and God didn't leave him in that state. God's not going to leave you in that state. When he cried, woe is me, God said, okay, we, we got this. How many of us look up Look in. And then do we stay at the look in stage? No, no, no. Because once we have received forgiveness, now we are ready to be commissioned to go out, to look out. When our sin issues are addressed, we must look out. With the anointing comes a holy alignment. With the anointing of forgiveness comes the holy alignment. You see, we are made holy. Holiness here, the word in the the, the original language, the Greek, is hagios. It means to be set apart for God's use. So God's designation of us as holy begins with God. It begins with his designation. He says, I have made you an instrument of holiness, an instrument of righteousness. In in, uh, 1 Peter Peter says it this way. I love this. He says, therefore, prepare your minds for action. Now, didn't didn't say standing around, didn't say sitting around singing kumbaya. It said, prepare your minds for action. Be self-controlled. Set your hope fully on the grace to be given you when Jesus Christ is revealed. As obedient, say obedient, as obedient children, do not conform any longer to the evil desires you had when you lived in ignorance, but just as he who called you is holy, you be holy in all you do. Holiness is not something we conjure up through some pseudo spirituality. It's not something that we conjure up through uh, religiosity. Yes, I made that word up. It's not something that we come up with on our own. It's the holiness is the designation of God for his use. Produced by the, the repentant heart and the forgiveness, the cleansing that can only come from God. And now, because we have this, the alignment with holiness says, prepare your mind for action. It's not okay to sit around in your holiness. You must get off. We must get off of our blessed assurance. Holiness requires that we be fit for action. So we have a holy alignment. Now we have a divine assignment. God has given us this assignment. It is the ministry of reconciliation. Paul talks about it in his letter to the Corinthians, in his second letter to the Corinthians. And the ministry of reconciliation is not something that we can uh, anoint ourselves with, but we receive it 
when we receive the forgiveness that is in Jesus Christ. 2 Corinthians 5 says, therefore, if anyone, anyone, anyone means anyone, and anyone means anyone, but let me, let me break that down for you. Anyone means anyone. If anyone is in Christ, he is a new, or they are a new, new, new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. All this is from God, who gave us the ministry of reconciliation, who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation, that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting men's sins against them, and he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We have a message of reconciliation. If you have been forgiven, taking this message of reconciliation is not an option. If you have truly been made clean, then God says, who will go for us? Father, Son, Holy Spirit, who will go for us? Who will I send? And if you're not willing, if you're not ready to say, God, here am I, send me, then you need to go back into that place of self-examination. You need to go back to that place where you are saying, God, did I truly receive all that you had given me? Did I truly receive the forgiveness that you had given me? Victory Church, there's a world that is desperately looking, seeking what God has given to us. The wonderful fellowship, we enjoy it. A, a, a holy and a sanctified altar where forgiveness happens, the word of God being preached. But all of this is not to be created a Christian clubhouse for us to hang out and text and make new Facebook friends. No! God is saying, whom will go for us? Victory Church is our turn. It's our turn. God is calling us to a sin-sick world. He said, go back to the world. Go back, tell them of my love. Share my love with them. If we don't, who will? Hear my Send me. There's some practical things that we can do. Next Saturday, we're having a big day of service. And on that big day of service, we will be serving people in the name of Jesus. We will be bringing our friends, family, and associates with us as we serve in the name of Jesus. They don't have to know Jesus in order to serve with us. It's okay. In fact, it's encouraged because we want them to see how Jesus looks, how Jesus' people look as we serve. Here am I, send me. It's time that we looked up. And when we look up, we have to look out. And when we, when we look up, we have to look in. And after we are in, the, the inward gaze, the, 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 the presence of God allows us to experience his holiness, his goodness, his forgiveness. Now, saints, we are commissioned to look out. We are commissioned to go out. We are commissioned to a sin-sick world to love them 
in the name of Jesus. Oh, saints, would you join me? Because I said almost 40 years ago, God, here am I, send me, send me, God. Would you send me, God? And God has not failed me yet. Are you ready? Are you ready? If you're not ready, ask God to make you ready. And he will for his glory. Thanks for listening to the Victory Church Podcast. If this message inspired you, feel free to share it with your friends, family, and social media. And make sure to subscribe to hear future messages from Victory Church. If you'd like to support the mission of Victory, please visit getvictory.net slash give. Thanks for listening and have a blessed day.